0: But before we turn to your notes this morning, let me just maybe bring up to speed some people who have not been here. This is our sixth week looking at end times. Um, Quite a lot has changed over the years. We've done various series here on end times. We did it, I think, three times in the last 10 years. But the problem is, folks, things keep on changing. They change at an alarming rate. I can't keep pace with it. Even what we're doing here is, is not keeping pace. Rapid, I mean, scripture predicts this that the speed of change will, 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 will increase in the last days. But just to try and keep pace, that's what we're trying to do. I, as I say, I've taught in end times, not just in this country, but in several countries. And you may be surprised at the type of reaction you get. You get quite a mixed bag. Some people are fascinated by it some people are terrified by it some people don't want to know they consider it bad news not good news they feel maybe they're not ready for Christ's return so like an ostrich you know they think if they don't hear about it it'll all go away you get all sorts of reactions More recently, a common reaction is that people think, well, you know, they said that Jesus was coming back in the year 2000. I I never said that, (laughs) but some people said that. They they said that Jesus was here, they said that Jesus was there and he didn't come. So I'm fed up listening to all these predictions, so I'm not going to listen anymore. That's become common. I hate sensationalism, I hate false alarms, and I have a very good reason for hating them. Because I grew up in a war zone in Belfast, and I lived at number 181, and about six doors down, there was a great big hotel. And they decided, the terrorists decided one day that they were going to bomb that hotel, and try and kill as many people as possible. So what do you think they did in order to kill people? False alarms. That's right. For months... We lived, it would be 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, and the soldiers would come, and they would knock on the door, and everybody had to get up and get out of the house, and you know what? There was no bomb. And then another month would go by, there would be another false alarm, and then another false alarm, and then another false alarm. Do you know what? It got to the place... Oh, it's the soldiers again. It got really casual... But we knew the procedure, we knew these false, these false alarms, are, are, that, that's what they do. Jesus said, don't be alarmed, many people will come. And they will say, look, he is here, look, he is there. Don't be alarmed. The end is still to come, the bomb is yet to come. And one day, they were, my, my, my parents had become so complacent that they did not wake me up. The rest of the family was up, but they left me, for some reason, they left me alone. Left me in bed, <laughs> yeah. Terrible. And next thing I knew, every single window in our house was blown in. My next door neighbor, Mrs. Murray, who's to babysit us sometimes, she was cut in two outside our front door. A piece of lead came off the roof, just soared down the street, and sliced her in half on the pavement outside our door. And I got up, ran downstairs, there's a British soldier lying in my hall. There's, there's a gun, a rifle lying in our hallway, and the soldier is just struck with, in shock. He's shaking like a leaf. He doesn't know what to do because the bomb's gone off. So I don't like false alarms. I don't like false alarms because I understand the great danger that they present. And so in all my teaching for 20-odd years on End Times, and I began with this uh, as, as my favorite subject, In all that time, I have never given false alarms because I hate them and I need to be able to stand before Christ one day and say that I didn't do that, Lord. I held my alarm until I was concrete sure that it's time to ring the bell. I was faithful to that, Lord. And when you gave the signs, when the signs were appropriate and I knew that it was the last days, that this really was the moment, then. I raised my voice, then I let the people know. And that's what we have been doing. And that's really what I want to talk about today. For generations, people have been fascinated. Go ahead. People have been fascinated by predicting the future. Mankind has always wanted to do this. And they've used various means, various techniques to do so. The most common one horoscopes. This is a wicked thing. The stars in your newspaper. Now, statisticians, people who study statistics, they tell us that currently the stars in the newspaper are running 95% wrong. So you get 100 people in a room, they all read their stars, about 5% of them can relate. So it's all all fake, false stuff. Science is currently running, they tell us, at about 75% wrong. I've got very little time for scientific predictions I can tell you I mean look at the ice caps what I mean about 20 years ago they said okay guys the ice caps are gonna melt and we've studied it and now we know the ice caps will melt in about hundred and twenty years and then ten years later they say oh sorry we were wrong it's actually gonna be about 75 years and then five years later, "Oh, sorry we were wrong it's actually gonna be about 25 to 30 years and then the latest prediction from the scientific world is sorry we were wrong again they're not going to collapse at all. Uh, sorry, they're not going to melt. They're going to collapse. We didn't understand the nature of the, of the deep down structures that as the climate has been changing, the infrastructure of the ice caps is deteriorating within its, its its whole form. And what's going to happen is a sudden collapse. So you're not talking 25, 30 years. You're talking about a sudden, suddenly. They will collapse rather than melt. So I've got very little time for that. You need to... If you base your future on stars, may God help you. If you base your future on scientific predictions, then God help you. You are so naive. So naive. So naive, honestly. The Bible. So far, 80 to 85% right fulfilled and the other 15% yet to come. Now, the, the, this 80 to 85% you know, begins in Genesis with many predictions and travels all through Scripture. Now, the, the, the problem with the last 15% is it largely concerns a very small period of time. So you're talking about a condensed period, the tribulation and the run up to the tribulation, that's going to be very fast. So that 7% is going to disappear so quick. Right? And I believe that we're right on the doorstep of that. In terms of predictions, the two events that are predicted the most in Scripture, the first one is the return of Christ. Right? So you can be pretty sure of one thing, folks. He's coming back. The same Jesus that walked in Jerusalem is coming back. 318 times, actually, in Scripture. It says that you better believe that Christ will return. The second most predicted thing is that he will return and there will be a judgment for every human being who has ever lived. That includes me and that includes you. There are no exceptions here. It cannot be avoided. So the wise thing to do is to prepare for the day. Right. Do everything to prepare for that day. Now, I I was watching a video this week, which I found fascinating right from the beginning, they, they gathered together, I think it was 11 eschatologists. This is the study of end times, eschatology. They gathered together 11 of the world's leading eschatologists who are alive today. Some of them were very elderly men, but they were all people who had given their lives to this study. And they sat them in a room and they gave each of them the opportunity to say, do you believe that this era, this time right now on earth, do you believe That this is the time of Christ's return. I thought this will be interesting because you know what people are like? You get 11 people, you'll have a few duds in there. You know what I mean? A few quacks, a few crackpots. Guess how many said that they thought this was the time? 11 out of 11. Every single, I was amazed at that. I didn't actually expect that. Now, they gave some criteria which I thought was interesting and I want to look at today a specific set of criteria about proofs that Jesus is going to return. That's something I'm very interested in. If somebody stands up to me and says, you know, the rapture of the church seems like it's very near. You better prove it. That's why I've got a Bible. You better show me in the Bible. I, need, I want to be able to look at the Bible and really I need to be able to look at the world and I need to put those two things together. Prove it. Go on, prove it. And that's what I want to do today. I want to show you, and you can make your own mind up based on the evidence that I will present. Okay? Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was walking away with his, when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will all this happen? And what will the sign be of the second coming? Okay. And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many, many will come in my name, claiming that I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You will hear of rumors uh, of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you are not alarmed. False alarm. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. In other words, you are going to get a better set of signs. Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against nation uh, against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most is going to grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Don't be too cocky about your salvation. Amen? Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most. He's talking about Christians here. It's it's, it's going to grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see, here come the signs, when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, and then it stops in scripture, and this is the only time in the whole Bible where God interjects with something quite outstanding. He says, let the you, let the reader Understand what this means. In other words, if there's one thing you need to know about, you need to know what this means. Then let those who are, on, uh, uh, who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one go up on the housetop or go down and take anything out of his house. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place on the Sabbath. For there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would have survived. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, Look here, the mes- is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you there he is out in the wilderness, do not go out. So many crackpots out there. Eh? Here he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east and is visible even from the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever there is a carcass, there are the vultures gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heaven. And then all the peoples on the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather His elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree, the symbol of Israel. As soon as its twigs get tender... And its leaves come out. You know that the summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near. Right at the door. Truly I tell you that this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. Very straight talk there from Jesus. Very clear dialogue that he gives us, you know, a very specific set of signs to look for that prove his return. Thank you, guys. Take a look at these five things. Israel's return, crisis in the Middle East, economic stresses and strains around the world, weapons of mass destruction, and an apostasy. I want to pull out these five particularly as telltale signs as top-of-the-bill warnings of the return of Christ. Let's look at them one at a time. I remember, what was it? Uh, Titanic. Remember, did you see Titanic, the film? I remember the, the scene in the film, which is the point that changes everything. The ship has been punctured, and the captain calls a meeting, and they wake up the architect, the designer, and he comes in, and they, they roll out the, 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 the diagram of the ship, if you remember And they stand and they look at it and the captain is still so confident. And he says to the engineer, right, what do we do? Come on, you know, this is the Titanic, remember? What do we do? And the engineer said, Captain, if one of the chambers was uh, punctured, we could survive. If two, if three, but not five. Because when those five are done, it's a mathematical fact, it's an engineering fact, this ship we'll go down and at that that is the dividing line of that film because from that point on the signs were, were were not just you know ominous it was categoric. the ship is going to sink now you can accept it captain or you can fight against it but you're an ostrich with your head in the sand and that's really the way i see these five signs when these five signs are concurrent we know that we're, we 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 certainly know that we're living in the last day Israel's return. Point number one. It was prophesied in the Old Testament for generations that Israel would be in their land when Jesus was born. Now, there were many hundreds of years when they were not. They were in Egypt for 400 years, remember? So the Messiah couldn't be born then because they weren't in the land. They were taken into Babylon. So you know then, the people on the earth know then, the Messiah cannot come now because we're not in the land. But when they returned to the land, what happened? Jesus Christ was born just like the prophecies in Isaiah, etc. said would happen. That's how it happened. Israel had to be in the land for Jesus to come the first time. Now the scriptures also predict that Israel will be in their land when he comes a second time. So for 2,000 years, Christians who would study the Bible would see that as a fact in the 1500s. They would have been able to say, well, Jesus is not coming back now. And they would have been correct because the signs were not lining up. And for 2,000 years, the Christian world has had to wait for a day like today when Israel get their land back. Okay? And we see in our time this piece of land being the focus of the entire world. This is what was known as, as Palestine. At the turn of the century, it was under British control. Look at these neighbors. You think you've got bad neighbors? <laughs> Syria, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Egypt. Whoa. You've got bad neighbors here, man. And now we have Al-Qaeda, right? Surrounding in all of those nations. Oh, this is Armageddon coming up, all right. You better believe it. Who would have ever dreamed of this? So this is 1915-16. The Jews haven't got their land. So Jesus is not coming back. What happens? In 1917, there was a thing called the Balfour Declaration. And this was the British government who had jurisdiction over Palestine. And they released this shockwave statement. It is our long-term desire that we give the land of Palestine to the Jewish people, to the people of Israel. And the world was shocked at that. Now, the First World War happened and things got derailed. You know the story. And it wasn't until many years later, 1947, 1948, when the, 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 the League of Nations, etc. met around the world. And then, shock of all shocks, Israel was back home. And we know from that point on that it is time. This is the big sign. This is the beginning of, of the big signs that Jesus said, when you see the fig tree blossom you will know that the return is near. In Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8, it says this seemingly crazy statement. Who would have thought, what what was Isaiah talking about? Who has ever heard such things? And who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day? Or can a nation be brought forth in a moment? And this was a prediction by Isaiah that one day, That nation that has not been a nation is going to get their land back in how many days? In one day. Something that seems unbelievable. I mean, they would have to go to war. They would have to do this. No, Isaiah says, something amazing will be seen by the world. And this was the first, I guess, of of the warnings of speed. Fast change. When people thought it would take generations and generations. In one day, God fulfilled His word. One day, and the whole thing was over. They were back in that land. Amazing. Scripture likewise will prove true on all those other points. So Israel's return, I think, is not disputed by I mean believers, unbelievers. I think everybody can see that this is a huge prophetic sign to the world. It, 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 you, need to be, you need to not want to believe. You need to be trying to talk yourself out of this to, to disbelieve that. Second sign, crisis in the Middle East. Now, so if you take a look at this map here of Palestine, scripture predicts that we will have crisis in the Middle East now at this current moment in time who is who are the biggest enemy of israel no wrong no wrong iran 's just had a change in leadership. Ahmadinejad is gone, and then you guys are liberal and they 've exactly Syria Syria has been the pressing every time. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu opens his mouth. He's not talking about Iran. Currently, he's saying Syria is our problem, and Syria, we are going to have to deal with them. If you don't deal with them, I will deal with them. I believe him. I completely believe him. He will deal with them too. And that's going to certainly put everything on a fast track. So, if you look at Isaiah chapter 17, here we have a prediction about Damascus. Isaiah chapter 17 some, some amazing things said about Damascus and about Syria. Damascus is the oldest city in the world that, that has always been inhabited. All the other cities that exist from ancient times either got destroyed and then re-emerged. But Damascus is the oldest city on earth with continual habitation. Isaiah chapter 17, it's a prophecy, it says. This is a prophecy against Damascus. See, Damascus will no longer be a city. Oh, hang on. Damascus is the oldest City in the world that has had continuous habitation. See, Damascus will no longer be a city, it will become a heap of ruins. It's never happened. It's never happened in all history. And you can read on actually in verse 14. Just look at me a moment. In in, in verse 14, Isaiah says this In the morning, trouble will come to Damascus, and in the evening, it will be gone. Whoa, that was quick. How on earth are you going to wipe out a city in a day? Hiroshima. Nagasaki. Cities that were thriving in the morning and everything was as normal. And a nuclear bomb, an atomic bomb, goes off over that city and in the evening it is gone. And it would look to us like the, 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 the crisis in the Middle East is going to come to a head sometime pretty soon. And that I think that the Jews... We'll have to bomb Damascus at some point. So do we have crisis? Absolutely we do. We've had continual crisis. Economic stresses and strains in the world, I'll deal with that in a moment, because they're very evident. If you look at the the, the book of Revelation, it talks about huge amounts of destruction on the earth, the likes of which in John's day when he was writing that book, whatever the year 92, 93, something like that, John would have had no idea that you could have a nuclear bomb. He would have had no concept of these things ever, ever being developed. Yet John paints a picture of such powerful devastation that men do upon each other. And we know that the world's governments, the armies, they need to have the ability to do that for the end to come. Do they have that ability? Oh, absolutely. So, and the last one, of course, is the one that we've spent the first five weeks on. I'm going to move on from that today But the apostasy, that in in 1 Thessalonians it says, when you see a great falling away amongst God's people, that is another sign, that the end is near. So these things are, for me, beyond question, beyond any shadow of a doubt. Uh, We're now out of the fog, we're now out of the forest, we're in open plains, and now I am without excuse if I don't say this. I am extremely hesitant when it comes to extremely hesitant when it comes to Scripture, because I intend to be able to face Jesus, I can tell you that, for every word that's come out of my mouth up here. And I have, God help me, I tell you folks, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even dream how seriously I take this. I live and die for me, this is. i have got to be right, because you're talking about the Word of God. You have to be very accurate. If you don't know, don't say. If you don't know, don't say. Just be quiet, just shut up. It's not your word. It's not a story. You're talking about God's word. It's very important. Scripture says he has exalted his word above his name. In Hebrews it says those of you who teach, that's me. Those of you who teach will face incredibly harsh judgment. Not like you. I will not be judged like most of you. I will be judged very harshly because I was a dealer in this. This was my business. And so God will hold me accountable for that. So I am incredibly careful about how I deal with this stuff. Very difficult days we live in, folks. The apostate if you look at Jude chapter, there's um, only one chapter, Jude. Jude is really the, 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 the apostasy letter because that's what was happening in their day. Jude verse one, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James to those who have been called, who are loved by God and, and kept for Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation, we share. I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith. Two things Jude says. He says that, just look up at me a moment. Jude says that the salvation, I'm talking about apostasy just momentarily. Jude says the salvation that we who are born again, he says it's a common salvation. One way. There's one Lord, one Savior, one church, one baptism, right? Amen. Amen. There's not more than one way to Jesus. There's one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ. Not to. Not to. It's very clear. He says we have a common salvation. One, sal- one route to glory. One route to God through Jesus Christ. If that's not a statement predicting this apostasy, I don't know what is. Because the pluralism that's out there, the multi-faith that's out there, is treachery at the moment. Treachery. We have a common salvation. Now, you could say to me, Well, do you know what? I think I'm just fine the way I am. But the Bible doesn't allow for you to do that. No one of you can dream up your own way of salvation. Got it? People all over the world are thinking, Well, I think we can do it. well, you can't. I think we can No, you can't. This salvation is a common salvation. There's one way of it. We all got saved the same way if you're born again. And there's no diluting of that fact. And Jude says, predicts to me, says to me, contend for that. Fight for it. Stand up for it so that people will still know how to be saved. Don't water down that salvation message. Do you understand? Maybe some of you do. It's a critical point, folks. It's a critical point because the devil is really winning that battle at this moment, I'm very sorry to say. Every generation has apostatized. Every generation has left the Lord. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, who apostatized? Eve. Eve knew what she should have done, but she decided to leave it. And the end result of that, if you read the story, was the flood. God had to flood the earth. Then that generation, what did they do? They went back out into the world and they apostatized. What happened then? They ended up in Egypt. Same story. Then God sends them Moses and sets them free. They get their land back and what do they do? They apostatize. They leave the Lord. Then they end up in Babylon. And then ultimately Jesus himself comes. And here we are. Do you think we're different from those generations? No. Not one jot difference. Jude, here we are. All the way back here. And Jude is handling the same problems. With his generation, except I think this will be the greatest and the most deceptive of all ages, this, this last apostasy. So these are the signs then. If someone says to me, this is definitely the end, these are the signs that I would look at and really specialize in. If you're doing home study, I would take a note of those five and go and study them. For the first five weeks, we've been concentrating on that scripture where Jesus says, you know, Paul says, don't worry, the end will not come until there is a great falling away, right? And who appears? The man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, okay? So today, I want to look at the Antichrist, who he is, because Paul puts both of these statements together. The end will not come until the the rapture occurs and the church is gone, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Now, if you look at 1 John, I'll just show you how confusing this can be. 1 John, chapter 2, and verse 18. John talks about the same thing. 1 John, chapter 2, verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us. It's the apostasy. But they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that they never belonged to us in the first place. Talking about apostasy in his day. 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 to 4. 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 to 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And he goes on to, to, to warn us against the Antichrist. Look at this. Look, just look at this. If you put those scriptures together, the Bible says there is an antichrist. It says there are many antichrists. And then it says there is a spirit of antichrist. I want to know what they mean. I want to know and I want to be able to tell the church and educate the church about what this means. And you could say to me, well, you know what? Pastor Mike, I don't need to know because I'm going to be raptured. I'm not gonna be here, I hope, I hope. I don't know who's gonna be raptured. I don't know who's gonna be spirit-filled. That's the criteria, right? The primary criteria that Jesus mentioned in the parable of the 10 virgins. So if, if the rapture happened right now in this room, I don't know who would be left behind, okay? I don't know. And so I need to prepare those who are left behind for who? the Antichrist. I'll deal with this in more detail next week because those are the people left on the face of the earth and this warning is given Yeah, half the church. 50% left on the planet, you see. Jesus said five wise, five foolish, half of the church. This is, not what, what, this is not what your grandmother told you, okay? It's not a bedtime story. This is the real deal. This is what the scripture says. Right? So I need to prepare every Christian, including myself, I hope I go in the rapture, We hope we're going to be ready, Jeanette. Amen. And we're doing all sorts of things right now, (laughs) making decisions that we never dreamed we'd have to make. But I've got to do it because I believe it. I believe it. So I want to understand this better than I've ever understood it before. I need to get it really clear so I can help people, particularly those who will be left behind. Okay? See, I believe in the three. I've told you, haven't I, in previous weeks, there will be three snatchings away. So just because you missed that first rapture, Jesus said, away from me, I never knew. It's like sex. A husband knows his wife. It's intimate knowledge. You weren't intimate with me. You weren't intimate. You you weren't (laughs) spirit-filled. Away from me, you were not spirit-filled. You weren't intimate at that time when I came back. I warned you. Song of songs. He comes at the door and he knocks and she's asleep. She's asleep. The groom comes back. I hope you're not asleep. So I want to understand what God is communicating to me through these different things. Let me deal with them in reverse. The the spirit of Antichrist, that's not difficult to see. I mean, heavens above, look at the world we live in. Look at communism or many of the structures and the different organizations, people around the world. You, you, You can see it in the ruling systems, right? The governments in the Middle East. I travel a lot in Eastern Europe. And the, the, the atmosphere, the spirit, spirit of Antichrist. The spirit is not the same as the UK. It's an Antichrist type spirit. Okay? We were just in Dubai there recently. Oh, I don't like the spirit, man. I don't like that. I can feel the oppression. And you, you can sense this spirit of Antichrist, which has been around since Genesis. They don't want the Christ to come. Okay? You can see it in peoples and movements. You can see it in false teachers, and they are prolific. They're all over the world. But I would give you a warning at this point. See these guys, see these guys that you see in the world. You know, the famous ones, the Moonies, Charles Manson, Osama bin Laden. It's very easy to see these guys because they're so crazy. They're madmen. I mean, how can anybody follow? Some people do, you know. But what on earth? People are so easily deceived, really, truly. The trouble with these guys is, you can start to think that all the deceivers, all the false prophets, are going to be really easy to spot. They're going to have horns. You know, it's going to be really easy. But it isn't, you see, guys. Here's two faces. Who would you buy a used car off? Okay, so is this man trustworthy, yes or no? Is this man trustworthy, yes or no? Ah, there's your problem. Which one of these is an antichrist? Is he an antichrist? Yes. Is he an antichrist? Yes. That's my point. You've got to watch. This is, let me just explain. This is Rob Bell. I didn't say he was the antichrist. Okay, many antichrists. This guy is very anti-Jesus Christ, very anti-the church. He's the leader of the apostate church in America. Okay, currently millions of people following him. Millions of born-again Christians being deceived in the last hour. He's compromising every truth, every principle of Scripture. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. This is the many Antichrists. But the problem with some of you is you're looking for a character like this whilst you're being led to death with characters like this. You want to think again about the subtlety of the devil. Amen. Amen. Think again. This guy is so nice. He's not like me at all. (laughs) He's so nice. So sweet. So loving. Oh, at last I found someone who actually loves me. Oh, yes, I found a pastor. He never even corrects me. He'll let you go to hell. Love you into hell, friend. God help us, Christians. Bible says the children of the world are wiser than the children of light. It is true God! It is true! They are! They are! Dull, dull generation! Dull generation! So easily duped, so easily deceived by what you see? By a nice smile? Is that what it takes? Is your salvation worth this? God help us. So, These three guys are standing together, and a man walks up behind that boy, and he stands behind this boy's back, and around the man's body, he has got plastic explosives, and with a big smile, (laughs) with a big smile on his face, he detonates the bomb, Uh, and he blows those three people to smithereens, and that they couldn't. Get this boy's body back together again. Because he was scattered all over the street. I tell you, spirit of antichrist? Yeah, definitely. If I saw the man who did that a couple of weeks before this happened, if I'd been on a tube or if I'd been in a restaurant and I saw the guy who was going to kill these, I bet I would have been able to tell. I bet I would have been able to suss it out and sense it. I would have taken one look at it and said, surely this is a bad man here. Next slide. That's him. Good-looking guy. You'd pass him in the street, wouldn't you? Nothing remarkable. Nothing remarkable at all. You would never dream about what's going on inside his head. 19 years old. And you strap, it's a Boston bomber, 19 years old. And you strap those explosives around yourself, and you go and kill as many people as possible. God help us. My point is: these many antichrists—they actually—they all have the same common denominator. There is one common denominator that you will find in every single false prophet, false teacher, baddie, and it is this: they refuse to come under the authority of the church. They refuse to recognize the church, right? They will not come under the authority of God's word or His house or the order of that. They hate it, hate it with a passion. You can go to apostate stuff because there's no authority there. But they hate, these guys hate authority. They hate the authority of God. And that is the the, the one, because there are many different types of false teacher, false prophet, deceivers. But the one common denominator you can always tell is when they don't accept the church and they want to be independent or whatever of that. So, answer me this question, yes or no? Can we live in the world and not be affected by this? No. It is not possible for you to live anymore in this earth unless you're very keen and studying these things. I don't think you're safe. Are the people of God in danger? Very much danger, I believe, in the day. Jesus says it over and over, so does Paul, so does John. Should we, therefore, as a church, study this? Absolutely, we should study it with all our might. Here he is again, another version of the Antichrist. How innocent can you get? He wouldn't harm a fly. You saw it, I presume. This was a trilogy of movies that came out of Hollywood depicting the Antichrist and his rise and fall. You know, it's all fictitious. It wasn't biblical or anything. This was out some 15 years ago, telling us all about the Antichrist. But look at the character they chose to... No horns. Right? So we've got to get lining up with Scripture and realizing this. The Antichrist, which is what we're going to look at from this point on in this message. Ha- how do I identify the Antichrist? Well, everything that God does, the devil copies, correct? He is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. We call it the Holy Trinity. Well, we also have an evil trinity. Right? Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. 1, 2, three. One, two three. God is your Father. Amen. Satan's also a father. He's the father of lies. And Jesus said to a crowd one day, You're off your father, the devil. Okay? So everything that God is, the devil tries to copy. 666-777. Six, 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 seven, seven, seven. And on and on and on and on and on it goes. And we need to be careful of the duplicate. We need to be careful of the false copy that's out there. Scripture tells us, actually, that there are many signs that we can look for. One of those signs was the economic crisis that is coming upon the face of the earth Bible is very clear that the Antichrist will seek to gain dominion in three specific areas finances politics and religion finances politics and religion and when we start to see the world falling into chaos financially you could know that the world needs a savior no better example than the recent developments in America. I don't know if you've been following that, but it's comical, to be honest with you. It's absolutely comical. Uh, World conditions preceding the emergence of the Antichrist, according to the Bible, there will be a lot of chaos momentarily, before I turn to that. Take a look at this here, just to get these off your mind and off your agenda, so we can concentrate on the five exceptional truths that Jesus mentions. Jesus also mentioned that earthquakes would increase in the last days. Okay? You just read it. There will be an increase. I think he means increase in the last days. This map goes from 1966. There was an earthquake then because England won the World Cup, right? You come all the way through here. Now look, you get to the year 2000, and you just about start to see like someone in heaven has just blown a trumpet or something. Someone somewhere has done something. There's some seal has been opened. Something's changed somewhere. Because there's a monumental shift in the number of earthquakes and their severity. Magnitude 8, see? There's a big change in the number of earthquakes. So Jesus said that when you see the earthquakes increase, this is just another sign and another sign and another sign. Captain, this ship is going down. Now in the book of Revelation it says and behold every living thing in the sea died. I mean can you imagine you know the scientific world re- you know reading something like that and then mocking the church how could every living thing in the sea die that is just ridiculous that's never going to happen. Isn't it? Here we go again. From 1950, there began to be some strange activity in the sea. Go home and research it. Around the world, there began to be bodies of fish, dolphins, whales, inexplicably washed up on shores all over the world, one after another. And they tried to see, does the fish have a disease? Is there something wrong with it? And over and over, and this is happening continuously. The things in the sea are dying. And this is is the best graph I could find. I researched this extensively. And the fact of the matter is, they're, they're the, the, the scientific world, hello, not the Bible, not me, unsaved people are predicting that we are on a trajectory here that cannot be brought back and that the sea, the living things in the sea, because of various reasons, will be wiped out by, the, by 2050. That is not my graph. That is the International Fisheries Agency. Go and research it for yourself. The church, what we planted in Bulgaria, the guy who helped us plant it, is the, he's one of the directors of one of the biggest companies in the entire world. Guess what they do for a living? Fish. Fish. Fish farms. He can't even keep pace with the amount of growth from governments wanting him to supply farmed fish. So the world are well aware of this problem, but of course they're always distracted by money, 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 money. That's all they want to talk about is money. So I I would ask you to go and research this for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Because I want you to make your own mind up. All right? Another problem. Go ahead, guys. Another problem that we have in terms of the predictions of Jesus Christ are that finances in the world would, 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 would be getting into a place of chaos. Now, all of you have got your little cash point card there in your pocket and what have you. And the reason you've got that is because of counterfeit is just got out of control. The printer at the, you know, under the bridge, just outside the church, go under the bridge, see the printer on the corner? He's in in prison. Him and 10, 15 other guys. What was he doing? (laughs) Printing money. Printing 20 (laughs) pound notes in the shop. And he, he went up in court. I read it. He went up in court and his response to the judge was, I was interested in excellence. So that's what he said. I was interested. I got involved in it because I wondered, would, would I be skilled enough to produce a note that would fool people? It was excellence that drove me to it, Your Honour. Right. Oh, it wasn't the money then. Right, I see. So they, they were pumping these things out right beside our church here, guys. Hello. Counterfeit is a huge problem. Not just for this country, for every country. How do we get away with it? How are we going to do Oh, we know what we'll do. Get a credit card. We'll give them cards, we'll put numbers on them, but of course this system did not work, it's, it's a disaster, and then they started putting chips in the cards, as you know. <clears throat> that didn't work either. So we, we, we still have not solved this problem, though if Barack Obama gets his way, we'll be very close to it quite soon. Keep going, guys. Credit card fraud, these it, it, are unfortunately quite old statistics, I couldn't find newer ones that were readable or uh, understandable. But you can see the rate of credit card fraud. A lot of the criminals now doing online fraud. So they don't need the credit card anymore. They can just do it in different ways. This is the United States' current national debt as predicted for 2020. Um, you hear so much about America. But I, I, I assure you, folks, I assure you that America has got no money. They estimate that there is $8 trillion in reserves in the Federal Reserve. But who owns that money? Oh, Jesus you guys need to listen. You need to listen. Yes, the Jews. The Federal Reserve is not, uh, it's, it's not owned by America. It was taken over by a group of Jews called the Fed. It's a private bank. So there's only $8 trillion in there, though, in Fort Knox. And it's owned by Jews, not by America. Apple, Apple have got more money than the American government. Apple, the company Apple, have got more money in their bank than America has in theirs. Just in case you're relying on America to look after you. Do you know what America has? Debt. That's what they have. They've got enormous debt. And if you've been following politics, and I pleaded with you many times to follow politics, I don't know if you listen though. Scripture says watch and pray, and it doesn't mean watch Coronation Street. It means watch this. This is what it means. Watch what's happening. Wake up! And watch the political situations, the economic situations, because in this mess you're going to find that the church many will be duped and drawn into this because they don't understand what's happening. You understand that America has no money. The, the combined national debt, the, the, this is actually quite misleading. You, they're, they're going to be coming in about 15 trillion here um, by January the 21st next year. They, they, they estimate that. But this is very misleading because it's actually double that. That's only the government's debt. It's not the people's debt. If you add the, the national and private debt, this thing doubles. So you understand that America doesn't have money. What does it have? Debt. Everything is debt. The whole country is run by debt, by borrowed money. Now this has implications because they are still the reserve currency for the world. I'm going somewhere. They are still the reserve currency for the world. So when America goes down, you have an irretractable set of circumstances that can kick into place. Now if you have not been listening to the warning signs then you really are asleep. You really and truly are asleep. And I I pray to God that you, you get with the game plan here. We went to Washington. We were preaching there about two years ago. We went to the White House and the Capitol building. And it's just such a sight to see. I really enjoyed the time there because I'm fascinated with American politics. But it is a very misleading thing, you see. Has anybody been following what's happening in America? Two, three, four, about six people. The rest of you need to really, honestly, are are you listening? Are you listening? I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. I had four hands. And yet maybe 10 times, 15 times in the last few years I've told you to watch this. Very foolish. You better watch you don't get left behind, friend. What's been happening in America, we were there, we went to the Capitol building, you know, where all the power is, and if you had gone there for the last three weeks, is it open or closed? It's closed! It's closed! closed. closed. The, people the, the people who control the money, it's closed! And why is it closed? There's a thing called the Mark of the Beast, okay? And it's coming up, we'll look at it in a moment. But President Obama wanted to introduce a thing called Obamacare or Medicare in America. And it was a a situation of national insurance, a bit like the National Health Service, but with a difference. And he has put this and pushed this. But the the Republicans, the conservatives we call them in the UK, the Republicans have many Christians, born-again Christians, who know what's happening. And they stood against it and stood against it and stood against it. In the extreme right wing of the conservatives is a group called the Tea Party. There are many born-again Christians in that Tea Party. And they stood against it. And they said, oh, it's because he's black. Oh, it's because you don't want to help the poor. Oh, it's because of this. It wasn't! It's because Obamacare has built into it an RFID. Okay, a chip. And Obamacare has written in the policy that by the end of 2014, if the medical service providers across the United States do not gather the data to go in that chip, for every single person in the United States of America, then they will not get funding for their care services. And the Christians saw this as a sign. I didn't say Obama was the Antichrist, so don't say I said that, because I didn't. This is another sign that they're trying to mass manufacture this whole chip business, and that is why the Tea Party, that is why the Christian, predominantly Christian right wing of, of the Republican Party have been trying their best to stop that chip, to stop Obamacare coming into effect. They failed. They failed. I was looking at the requirements for Obamacare on Friday. and There it is. You must, healthcare providers must produce the data that will go on the chip for the entire, we'll see it in a moment. Next slide. Who's he? God, I pray that you will awaken the church in the last hour. Father, I pray that the the love of money and the love of our lives, our reputations, our careers and our futures would take a very poor place in our hearts and that we would not be found wanting as a generation. Oh God, you trusted me to live at this moment. May we not become worldly. I pray you would forgive us and help us to see the signs of the day in which we live in Jesus' name. No, this is George Lawler. This is the man who invented the, the barcode, basically. He, he is a, an Australian, and in 1971, he realized that the, the, the buying and selling systems around the world internationally were a very difficult piece of kit. They couldn't work. It wasn't going to work. And the governments companies, industry, could not trade internationally because of all sorts of difficulties that I don't understand. But they were looking, 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 looking for some system that would enable them to trade across borders, to buy and sell. And George Lawler is famous because of this. He's a mathematician. And he was thinking, I know what I'll do. And he invented this in 1971 and you may not believe this, but by 1973, only two years, it was already accepted and in full-scale production all over the world. This is the barcode. The white spaces, the white lines, they represent numbers. The black lines also represent numbers. But look at the number 6. Look at the sign for the number 6. Two parallel lines straight down like that. Now look at these entry, center point, and exit bars. Graphically, they are identical to sixes, correct? Correct? Yes, correct. So, you see, look at it. Revelation chapter 13, verse 16. Revelation chapter 13, verse 16. He also forced all people, great and small... (laughs) Rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads so that they could not what? Buy or sell sell unless they had the mark of the beast, which is the mark of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. That number is 666. So what we have since 1973... We have an ever evolving but totally accepted system of what? Buying and selling on the face of the earth. So when you go to Tesco's and you go to Asda and you pick up your piece of food, beep, you just bought it. You just bought it. And that thing came through this marker system. These sixes are actually, he calls them guard bars. And when George Lawler invented this, many Christians went to Australia. They said, What have you done? What have you done? What have you done? And his reply was, I'm just a mathematician. I'm just someone who's, I mean, don't, don't, don't look at me. And in all innocence, he, he just said, I just did, I just did it. To, don't shoot me. Don't shoot the messenger. I know how he feels for that one. You see? So this is current. You can't deny it. I have yet to see a better example, to be honest with you. I mean, if you've got a better, you know, theory, I think this is what they will do. That because it's buying and selling, and the Bible tells me that in the last days, no one will be able to buy or sell on the earth without some mark upon themselves. Either it will be the the Greek in the, the book of Revelation, when it says he forced them to receive, the word there is put into. He forced them to have something put in them. Okay, a mark. Next one, please. This is a computer chip. These have got much smaller. I can't get a, because of all the nanotechnology and stuff, they're getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. But these are the chips, this is one of them, that can hold your data. Now, we travel a lot, and they keep on changing their passports. Many of you, if you have a biometric passport like us, who's got one of these, by the way, biometrics? I'm surprised. I thought most of you would have one. You will have, okay? They will scrap your, your passport, because that thing there, here, is in there. It's already here. It's in my passport. This thing holds a a, a record of my iris. Okay? It has my facial dimensions. And it has my fingerprints. Okay? It's a biometric passport. That's what it is. You're not allowed to ask. The governments won't tell us in in some countries what else is on there. But that's what is there. Okay? So whilst it's on here, we're okay. But once, at some point, I believe they're going to try and get this thing into an injectable form. I mean, we travel in and out of... Terminal 5 is probably one of the most advanced airports in the world, in London, it's, it's brand new, but how many times have they changed it? Every time you go, the system's gone again. They put the iris scanner in, then they took it away, then they put the fingerprint in, they just cannot get it right. And I believe that their end result, what they're going to end up doing is, look, w- w- when we used to walk up to the thing, there's an automatic, automatic gate for, for biometric passports, you can walk up and it, it's all automatic. So you don't need to talk to anybody. You just do your thing and you walk straight through. But and, that, and that's their goal. They don't want all these cues and everything else and they want to know that you are you. You're not traveling under a false identity. So scripture says that the Antichrist will create a system of buy and selling in the world and that the number of his name is 666 and that no one will be able to buy or sell on the face of the earth without that mark. Now, All I can do to you folks is I can show you the information. You yourself can decide what to do with that information. I've decided what I'm going to do with it. If you come up with a better theory than this one, let me know. Please do. Because there are many people who spend their lives studying this. And the great confluence of opinion at the moment is that, yeah, looks like it's pretty true. Looks like that system is going to stand its ground because it hasn't wavered for many years now. That's in some way they're going to have to, they're going to try and inject something in to people so that, or they won't be able to live or trade or buy anything because they want to do away with paper money and all that. Okay? So one of the five criteria we began with, if you remember, was economic chaos. Economic stresses in the world. Well, that economic chaos and stress culminates in this. So wherever you are, folks, if some of you are left behind, please. I beg you, do not ever take the mark. I beg you, in Jesus' name, never take the mark. Those who are spirit-filled will rise and meet the Lord in the air. Defies wise virgins who are spirit-filled. Many will be left behind because they didn't listen. They didn't listen. Those people, you can read it. In fact, we'll study it in a few weeks' time. Scripture says that those people who refused—what does the Bible say happened to them? Killed. They were killed. It says the Antichrist forced anyone who would not receive the mark; they would be killed. Okay, it's the, it's your uh, second resurrection. It's the wheat. Remember, you've got the barley that's picked. Blessed are those who go in that first rapture, first resurrection. You've got the wheat that's threshed halfway through the tribulation and then you've got the grapes that are going to be crushed. All of this is in picture form because it's hidden from those who are arrogant, who despise God. You say, why doesn't God just say, well, he doesn't. But that's the nature of scripture. Why do you speak in parables, Lord? I speak in parables as a judgment for those who ignore me. I speak in parables so that they won't understand. I will hide it from them. So what's your attitude in these days, folks? I plead with you. Get with the game plan. So politically, I believe the Antichrist will be a political leader and he will have a, a false prophet, the Bible calls him, a religious leader who will assist him. And you remember what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. He said, when you see the abomination standing in the holy place, and then what did he say? Make sure, make sure that you understand what this means? This we we studied this last Christmas. We'll do it again this Christmas. But you remember the story? This whole thing. <laughs> We're gonna see some acti- This is the Vatican. This is the Vatican. The Vatican has not yet really come to its heyday. We're gonna see some really big, sparky activity taking place here. This is not just because the Pope lives there. That's not what this was ever created for. Okay? I believe the false prophet is more than likely to be a pope or at least some major religious figure. Um, and I believe this whole structure, you see, this is, is based upon Samarius, the sun god, multi-faith, sun worship. This is the penis of Nimrod. That's what it represents. Or Baal or the spirit of Islam. It's all the same thing. It just changes its name. Okay, So this is multi-faith, sun worship, moon worship, Islam, actually, and you've also got, uh, uh, by uh, inverted commas, parts of Christianity thrown in there. And this, this whole stage has been built for a time that is yet to come. For the last days. When a false prophet will arise. And will dominate the religious system. That's what this has been built for. They're waiting. It's a temple. It's a false temple. There's another temple. Right? In Jerusalem, copy, 666-777, everything's a copy. This is the copy. This is the copy. And the, it, 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 Jesus said that you got to understand what this means. Let the reader understand it. You see, this is the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem. And it says that, Jesus said, when you see the abomination, that's the Antichrist, standing in the holy place, that's not it, that's the Dome of the Rock, that will be removed. It seems to me... That it is highly likely in 2015, 2014 15, that the Jews are, 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 seem very likely to do some sort of a deal with their land. And they will give the Palestinians something, some piece of the land, in return for what? For this. And the world will say, at last, peace and safety. At last, we've got peace and safety. This is the third holiest site for the, for the Muslim world, but it's not Mecca, it's not Medina. Okay, and I believe they will be willing to trade that. That is where Abraham sacrificed Isaac, the threshing floor of Obed-Edom, as it's referred to in Genesis. This is where the, 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 the new temple will be built. So at some future point, we know that the, the, the blood moon's coming up, I mean, God's going to write it in the sky just in case you missed it. Okay? There will be severe trouble coming up for Israel over the next two to three years. And what will happen at the end of that is probably going to involve this site. The Jews have every single brick, every doorknob, every light bulb necessary to build that temple. It's all there, it's been there for a long time. They have it all in reserve. So if you think the Jehovah's Witnesses can throw up a building quickly. Just wait till you see how quick this comes down. And the temple goes up very quickly. That's what I believe it will be. Very quickly. When they're saying peace and safety. Suddenly disaster comes upon them. So there's the two temple system. Which you need to start to keep your eye on. And and, and study it and understand it so that you're with it and then you are fulfilling your task. Excuse me, everybody in here. This is not just about me. Okay? It's not just my responsibility. Are you born again? Well, then you need to do your job. Amen? Amen? It's not just about me. It's not just my responsibility. It's your responsibility as well. You've been trusted by God to be alive now. And if you had been alive in 1400 or 1500, it wouldn't, you wouldn't have understood these things. I, I love Spurgeon. Spurgeon hasn't got a clue about end times. Not a clue. He's one of the best preachers ever lived. I love his work. But I've scoured not he doesn't, he doesn't know anything about this. Because he lived too long ago. And the, the, the revelation had not yet come. Remember, mystery is something that is revealed over time. These mysteries have been held back for this day to be revealed to you. God is, the scripture says God has put his hope in me. He's put his trust in me that I would be worthy of receiving this revelation and then living up to it in the last hour. So those five criteria that we began with are a severe warning because I believe they are fulfilled. That, that, that the signs that Jesus spoke of are happening at such a pace we can't keep pace. Politically, economically and religiously. The last sign, last slide, was militarily. Sorry, this is, this is the hill country of Judea. Jesus said, let, let the reader understand what this means. As with, when the abomination is found to be sitting in the holy place, the Antichrist, he declares himself God and he said to the, to the Jews who were in Jerusalem at that time, what did he say? Flee to the hill country of Judea. There it is. And all over this hill country there's something hidden that you can't see. Bibles. Bibles are buried all across this mountain in canisters. Christians, for the last few decades, have got Bibles, they've put them in waterproof canisters, and they've gone up there and they've dug holes and they've they've buried those Bibles all over the hills. Because, thank God, some people read the Bible and believe it. And their theory was this. That Scripture says that this land is going to be peppered with bombs. And that the Jews ultimately will flee into this land. And the bombs will unearth the Bibles. And then when the Jews run up here, they'll be picking up the Bible, turning to the book of Revelation and saying, Quick, 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 what was it? What was it? He's the Messiah. He's the Messiah. It was Jesus all the time. It was Jesus. We were wrong. Look, look. And the veil that was over them will be removed. And they will open it and understand it. They will look upon the one they have pierced. Right here. Right there. Hell country of Judea. Well done, brothers and sisters. Well done. This just caught me this week. I'd never thought of it. Time magazine is famous because they think they get it right. And if you're going to be on the front of Time then normally they, they're, 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 they're predicting what's going to happen in due time. That's what they're good at. And if you get your face on the front of Time magazine, it means something major is going to come up for you within the next months or year. This was before the Iraq war. This cover is from 2002. So Time were staking their reputation on the fact that Saddam Hussein would not back off and that America would have to intervene. So they put him on the front. And this was their saying, we believe there's going to be war. 2002, the war was in 2003. Who's this? Yetanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel. But this cover is from May this year. You understand my point? So what they're saying is, we're willing to stake our reputation that Israel will be going to war. They will be going probably with Syria. They will be going to war. This is May this year. (coughs) Yeah, that's just about right. That's Jezreel. I want you to understand it's Armageddon. The plain of Jezreel in Hebrew, it's a name, it's a place, it's Armageddon. And just like you saw in the Gulf War with Saddam Hussein, the armies of the world will assemble in this place, just like they've gone many times in the last couple of decades. They will assemble in this place and gather. This is giving rise to the second coming. Last slide, please. (laughs) And there it is. This is what the book of Revelation spells out very clearly. That in the last days, the nations of the world will rally against Israel. Thinking at last, once and for all, we'll be able to wipe these people off the face of the earth. A bit like Hitler and everybody else said. Scripture says the kings of the north, which is predominantly the Russians, Muslim states, will march down. A lot of Muslims in Russia. It says that an army of 200 million will march in from the east. Well, China's had an army vastly greater than that for many years now. It says the kings of the south, that's the African and Arab nations, will march up. And the Antichrist and his forces will march in from the west. And they will all be, God help us, all to destroy Israel. All to destroy Israel. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Jesus, Jesus. So Everson came in to me this morning and he said, this is different. This <laughs> series. Different. Different from everything that we've done so far. Different from all the other stuff we've done. And himself and his family are looking at ways uh, how do we behave now? What do I do now? Because suddenly, you know, the gloves are off and I need to get really tuned into the day in which I live and not be duped or deceived like many other people will be. In the book of Revelation, in the first three chapters, many of you will know, there's the letters to the seven churches, remember? And those seven churches represent the different ages of the church. You can read in Ephesus... And see what he says. It's Jesus talking through John. You can see what Jesus says to Ephesus. It's a mirror image of the early church. That means the letter to the last church has us Laodicea. And I, I, I would study this for years. So you need to read your Bible until you hear from God. Huh? Read your, don't, don't stop reading until you have heard from God. Otherwise, it's religious activity. Read your Bible until you hear. And we've been praying, Jeanette and I have been praying a lot. God, show me, show me about the last days, show me about the apostasy. We give our lives to protect the sheep, to protect the church and inform the church of what's happening. But I need you to open things up so I can see it and I can understand it. But I know that takes my time. So we gave Friday here. We spent about three or four hours in here. And I came for a word. I came to find a word from Scripture. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Look at it in your Bibles. I found a word. I got a word. And God spoke to us here. Revelation 3, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea. Right. These are the words of the Amen. The faithful and true witness... The ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. This is us. He knows what you're like. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. Prosperity gospel, huh? Prosperity gospel in the last days. You say, I am rich, look at me, I've got everything I wanted. I have, oh, praise the Lord. I have acquired great wealth and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. And I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you actually can become rich. And white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. That means prayerlessness, by the way. And salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. And this is the word I got. God, I have read this a thousand times. Verse 20. Here I am. He's back. He's back. Here I am. I'm back. It's the letter to the last church, Laodicea. And i'd never seen those three words before here i am i'm back told you i was coming didn't i here i am i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door that's your heart i will come in and eat with that person and they with me to the one who is victorious the overcomer i will give the right to sit on the throne and i tell you folks I literally jumped in this place on Friday afternoon when I read those words and they, you know what it's like when you, something jumps off the page at you and you've heard for the first time something you've read a thousand times. But this book is to be heard. Not so much read. Heard. Faith comes by. So you have to read until you... And so God was saying to me in here, on Friday, look, everybody look at me, he was saying, here I am, back, and behold, I stand at the door, and I knock, and I just thought, you know, if someone was coming to see me in my house, and I didn't know what time, I didn't know what day or what hour, I would say to them, you know, when you come, just chap the door, as they say in Scotland, just knock the door. And I'll know you're here. So Israel gets their land back. The earthquakes increase. The 666 becomes our everyday method of buying and selling. The fish suddenly start to die. The apostasy begins to happen. You get the picture? Behold, I stand at the door, and I'm going to let you know I'm there. You're going to know with many signs. I'm going to make it loud and clear that I'm back. Here I am. Jesus, you need to ask God for mercy. I know this is incredibly serious, folks, but it is serious. You understand that? You understand how serious it is? It's a serious position for me. This is a book I wrote called My Father's Business, about giving your finances for the kingdom, not for earthly wealth. Do you know the great irony on the back? Six, six, six. I'm not the Antichrist. Okay, <laughs> it's nice and clear there. Look, this, this thing has become so prevalent that we don't even see it anymore. You understand? So, Averson, I believe, is deciding the changes he's going to make in his life. Jeanette and I are plowing through and I feel very comfortable at the moment with the changes we're going to make and are making so that as far as it's going to be from my end, Lord, I will be ready for the rapture and I will do everything within my power to challenge you to also be ready. I want to be able to walk up in front of him and say, Jesus, look, I did it. Look, I said what you said, right, And, and, and I tried my best. But some of them wouldn't listen. Some of the people just so focused on their own world. Leanne was praying in here on Friday. I get visions. I see things all the time. It's the greatest blessing in my life. You know, it really helps me because I understand things. And she was praying in here on Friday night and I just caught a vision, you know. It was like, you know when you shake something, things can fall off, you know. Like if I shake this, if I shake this here... All of a sudden, oops, oops, oops. And I just felt God so frustrated sitting in heaven, wanting, wanting so much to get to you. A good spirit, a spirit of evangelism, a gift of healing and something to turn you into a prophet, whatever, in these last days. And as she was praying, I just felt heaven shake. Good. It was good. I felt that things were being released. Just catch them. Just catch them. So what is your part going to be in the last days? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? We can start by coming out on Saturdays with the evangelism team. I have a new tract arriving this week, brand new. It's really nice leaflet we've had produced, and I want to try it out. So next Saturday... We, 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 will, we will meet here and we, we can do that, okay? But I ask you to join the evangelism team. That's one thing you can do. You can tell your friends and you can tell your family. Just tell them about, about the end of the world, if you like. Jesus holds, I get criticized all the time, all the time. People criticize me left, right and center. You shouldn't take, preach like this. For heaven's sake, it's in your Bible. It's in your Bible. Jesus stood in front of huge crowds and said, you're going to hell." And we take our preachers and we castrate them and turn them. As soon as some some guys get in the pulpit, they change their voice to a woman's voice. Hello everybody, how are you all doing? You've castrated the prophets. Destroyed the the, the so-called men of God. Amen? Jesus. So what what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I need to ask you that. What are you going to do in these closing moments? You can start by coming down here on Friday night and praying with us. Amen. Amen. Friday night was fantastic, actually. Very good. Bring your family. Bring your kids. There's loads of them here already. Bring your kids. And let's focus our minds and focus our, our lives, at least with that. I love collective prayer because I'm protected. When my brothers and sisters are praying for me, I feel protected. You need that protection in these days. If any of your friends are in dead churches... Why why don't you tell them? If your friends are going to churches and you know that they're not being told the truth, what sort of a friend are you? For 22 years, I have never spoken against anyone. Go back on the podcasts and find me one name. Find one name of any man that I mentioned. You will not find one because it has been my principle never to mention a name. And then the other week I was reading in the scriptures and I was so rebuked in my spirit. The Apostle Paul said, when false teachers arise, don't join them, rather expose them. Oh, I felt so guilty. Because God said, I'm calling you to call out their names and tell people who's who. And that's why I put Rob Bell up there. That's why I put Rick Warren up there. And I, I, the, the gloves are off, folks. The battle has changed. The lines have moved. So from this point on, when I see anyone, any of my family or your friends who are going to dead churches where you know that they'll have a religious whatever, I challenge you that you can no longer let them die in there. Amen? Amen? Amen. If you are a friend of theirs, days have changed.